Welcome to Scottish Farm Advisory Service Podcast. You can find out more about FARS on our website, www.fars.scot, or if you need advice, then call our helpline on 0300 323 0161. My name is Kirsten Williams, a sheep and beef specialist with SEC Consulting, and I'm joined by my, my colleague Poppy Freighter, who is a SEC sheep specialist. And today we're at Fern Farm near Tain, and we are also joined by John Scott. John and his team manage a large sheep enterprise here at Fern, and reducing the cost over winter is a key driver. With taps being removed from yows, the next management task will be scanning, which should be done about 70 days from the tap going in with the yows. This is an essential flock manager's tool, allowing for groups to be formed on nutritional needs of the sheep. For example, triplets have a higher nutritional need than single-bearing yows, and thin yows can be managed with those who have a higher nutritional requirement. This podcast today is to aid in planning for management from scanning to lambing to ensure the nutritional requirements are being met at this key time. Getting the nutrition correct will vastly aid in having lambs born with good birth weights, a good supply of good quality colostrum, good mothering, minimal yow and lamb losses and high vigour in the lambs. As I said, John here at Fern is reducing the cost of winter. It's his key driver. He is achieving this by adding fodder beet into rotation and rationing the yows on this post-scanning. So, so John, why, why did you turn to fodder beet? What made you grow it in the first instance? started growing fodder beet three years ago, so we've had it in for, this is the third winter now. We started growing it because we're looking for a, a way to take, we wanted to get the ewes off grass at Christmas time, so we're looking for a way, after scanning, to take the ewes through to lambing. And we've got you know ground here that's suitable for it, and we've also got land that we've taken on recently that had a history of growing oilseed rape. So I couldn't grow sweds there, so I needed to go and look for something else. So that's what made me start looking at fodder beet. And when I looked abroad and looked at what the Kiwis are doing, I thought, well, there's no reason why we can't do that and, and emulate what they're doing. And we're by no means there yet, and we're still learning. We're learning every year. We've done things wrong, and um, it's just such an exciting crop, and the potential is huge with it. But I think for anyone growing it for the for the first time and thinking, right, I've grown this crop, I've managed to get decent yield here, I've measured it, I'm still worried about what, how we're going to utilise it. Don't be worried about it. Speak to your, your local SEC person, and they've normally um, have access to someone that knows how to utilise it. And, it, you know, it's just a learning process. And if you don't learn by the odd mistake when you're farming, well, you don't you don't move on. We're still tweaking things, and there's a lot still to be tweaked going forward. It's been a fantastic crop for us in terms of getting off that grass, as I mentioned, and also cheapening the winter. And it's it's really quick to shift a big mob of, mob of ewes rather than traipsing around various fields with a, a snack feeder. There's nothing more satisfying than being out on a cold, frosty morning and you go and shift the ewes on the beat and they all drop through and onto the new brake and um, you just drive along the quad, check they're okay and you're off to the next job. Interesting to see other people trying it throughout can- the country and even up into Shetland. Um, there's guys trying it up there and making a big difference to their to their winters. We had a very challenging winter last year in terms of being um, very wet and even with that the sheep survived So uh, and did well. And, even with that, the sheep thrived and came through the winter very well. So it's a fantastic crop. Don't be frightened of it. If you're not sure, just phone somebody. Get online. Get on one of the, the fodder beat groups that's on, on Facebook and social media. There's plenty of people there willing to help and answer questions online. And um, very quickly, you can get feedback from somebody that's done it maybe the year before you and um, is able to just give you a few pointers in the right direction. So you're you're saying that it's it's increasing your... The amount of sheep you can have. What is your stocking rate when you're grazing fodder beet? We've got 30 hectares of fodder beet in annually at the moment, and we will, on a 
10 hectare field we would run a mob of 1500 ewes and they'd be stripped, it's a long field and they'd be stripped grazing across that and we work out how many rows of fodder beet they get every day in relation to what um, they require um, for their body weight. So we know what they weigh and we work out their, their daily requirements based on what we know the crop will produce and they get that every day. But it's fairly straightforward, is it? It's, it's quite a quick way of, of feeding sheep in the morning and uh, the time we would spend with it with a snacker is just it would just take far too long and the cost just is too much. So it works for us. You can grow a great crop following the photo beat because you've got a lot of fertility captured on, on that field. And we either follow it with spring barley or sometimes we'll go in with grass or, or, or sweds if we can do if there's not been oxidate right there before. I mean, you're choosing what field your fodder beet's going into. Um, what environmental considerations are you taking into consideration? So there's a few uh, considerations to, to bear in mind when you're choosing your field for the following year's fodder beet you've got to get the ph right we are an annual uh, four-year cycle uh, bringing everything up to 6.3 and fodder beet prefers that and, and even more making sure the p's and k's right in the soil but also looking at fields that are going to be suitable for carrying a large number of hooves sheep throughout the winter um, i wouldn't go too heavy or too wet a field um, a medium field works quite well uh, it does like quite light land as well and you maybe don't get quite the yield there but as long as you get the moisture in the summer it'll get that root down and it'll do fine if we could pick our fields to use ideally we'd be sandy fields because they, they can obviously handle handle it And um, but we, we, we tend to have our cattle on slightly heavier ground and the sheep on the lighter stuff and just try and get that rotation going because our advice we've been given is that if you're growing fodder wheat for the first time you maybe get away with using it putting it into a field two years running and then you get it into a rotation and you can't have it in the, in the same field too often otherwise you run into problems. Going back to environmental other things to think about is shelter of the field um, that the stock have got somewhere to shelter um, it's not too steep a slope um, so there's not runoff that you don't have open waterways that the animals can get into to make any make any mess so in your situation you've got your big arable fields there's hedges all the way around where they can um, shelter it's not a lot of water in the area. Um, most fields are watered by troughs. Um, so those those things aren't issues to you. So John, how does fodder beet actually fit into your system? We use fodder beet, um, as you say, post-scanning. And we like to run a fairly large mob of use from post-scanning through till lambing time. So at scanning time, obviously, take our empties out and we'll have singles and twins. We tend to run them as one mob and then have triplets in a separate, separate mob. And... Um, we just strip graze across the fodder beet and it's just taken it's taken a lot of cost out of our system in that we're not going out there with a snacker feeding ewes daily and we find the ewes are healthier and it actually lets us monitor performance of ewes if we find ewes that are dropping off in that system dropping off in condition we wouldn't select breeding females from them so it's enabling us to improve our genetics going forward as well and we want to breed a, a female sheep that will survive outside with limited feeding so limited hard feeding um, so by using fodder beet and high quality um, silage we can do that we haven't got time for feeding you know tons and tons out through a snacker every day it just doesn't work for us we're running we tap 6,000 ewes and ewe lambs every year um, the ewe lambs won't be on fodder beet we tend to use sweds for them um, but all the adult ewes will be on fodder beet so there's there's um, huge management priorities for you there and benefits there. Fodder beet as well is as a crop for benefits. It's highly palatable. It's digestible. Um, it's really high in sugar, so it's high in energies. 
it's high yielding so it is an excellent crop for livestock. It must be managed appropriately and know the nutritional requirements of the stock that are grazing it. Bulb is, is basically high in sugar and water so that's where the energy comes from and the leaf is high in protein as well as minerals. Transition on and off the crop needs to be really carefully managed. So John, how are you managing the nutrition first on then off the transition for the yows? I'll just fire them in. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, so we manage the transition onto the crop fairly carefully. Not as carefully as we do with cattle because you've really got to be careful with cattle. Sheep tend to handle it a little bit better initially. We don't tend to have many problems at all. So because of strip grazing, they're getting allocated a certain amount every day and we can work that out in, in, in terms of how many lambs are carrying and what their dietary requirements are depending on what stage of pregnancy they are. And then as we manage them off, we've got to be, I suppose, a little bit more careful than that. Our singles and triplets, we tend to lamb inside because of it's just easier management-wise. So it's a bit of a hassle feeding fodder beet inside. So um, we'll start feeding the singles and triplets. We'll split the, split the singles from the twins as you get closer to lambing and we'll gradually ease them off fodder beet or we will gradually reduce the amount of fodder beet they get and increase the amount of supplement feeding they get in terms of concentrates normally in the form of a high protein euro so that when they come inside we can still give them the fodder beet we just sprinkle that out in the straw with a forklift and they get a euro as well and that's their feeding and the same with the triplets ideally with the twins and that's where we're trying to to get to with as much of the flock as we can do is that twins will transition off fodder beet onto grass so to do that we just feed fodder beet at grass as well and sprinkle it out um, on top of the grass and very quickly they'll switch over if the grass is growing well in early April they'll, they'll switch over to grass and you'll find the fodder beet and they, they need less and less of, of that it's far easier to transition on and off though with sheep than cattle cattle you have to be very very careful so you're transitioning on how long is it until they're on at 24 hours a day fairly quickly actually within a week um, they would be on it but they're only for a restricted amount so they're only getting so much they'll get access to, to so much per day and we'll gradually increase that um, but they're getting forage along with that they're not just getting they're either getting grass with that if there's any grass left more likely it's going to be hay or or silage depending on the the class used with its its singles and twins or the triplets but they'll always have access to forage of some sort and minerals and also we're looking at using a bucket this year as well that they're specifically designed for uh, fodder beet and livestock and sheep great so the the nutrition of the the bulb from the leaf is quite different and that the the leaf is high in protein the bulb is high in energy as the winter carries on the nutrition changes because the leaf will start to deteriorate with wind with frost with snow that type of thing the bulb is only about six percent protein so it does change in nutrition quite a lot through the grazing period it's important to know the nutritional requirements of the stock utilising the crop, to know if you actually need the supplementation that John's speaking about. So Poppy is here as well. Poppy, what are the nutritional requirements of in-lamb sheep between scanning and lambing? So, like you say, the balance of protein and energy is important, and that's the issue with crops like fodder beet. They are high in energy, and as you say, as the leaf um, deteriorates with frost, you need to supplement that protein. Um, in fact, in mid-pregnancy, up until eight weeks pre-lambing, the energy requirements are quite low compared to later on in pregnancy. So, for example, a, a 70-kilo twin-bearing ewe requires 9 megajoules of energy and a 10% crude protein diet. So, for example, this low requirement could, for instance, be met with just ad-lib access to average quality hay alone. 
could meet that requirement. So the requirements are very low. However, the requirements are low, but they must not be allowed to lose condition at this time, as this will affect placenta development. I would only permit condition loss for those that are over condition score three and a half, and they could lose half a condition score. Otherwise, it's all about maintaining them in good condition, going through them and with taking out any that are too lean and priority feeding them. As we get closer to lambing, the protein and energy requirements increase very rapidly. So 75% of the fetal growth occurs in the last six weeks. So this is where the rapid increase in energy and protein occurs. And the, the downside at this time of high nutritional demand is that the rumen size is also being compromised by the growing lamb. So energy and protein dense feeds are required. So in late pregnancy, the best rations are those that are based on high quality forage. The better the quality of the forage, the less uh, additional feeds are required and it's a more rumen friendly feed. Graze grass is best. In fact, if there's enough for centimetres and growing in late pregnancy, you can meet their demands just on grazed grass alone. The four centimetres and growing being the, the key point there. For silage or hay-based diets, you must get an analysis done to understand what additional protein and energy requirements are needed. So you've just said that um, you require really high and good quality energy and protein. If they don't have access to the correct level then there's obviously problems where they start to mobilise their own reserves um, and then they can lose condition, have like low lamb birth weights, poor quality and quantity of colostrum. So for this reason they obviously need another source of pro well, protein and energy but if we think about protein John, what supplements are you offering when, when they're on the beat? So um, to start with we'd be using a medium protein silage and then as you get closer to lambing we're increasing the protein in the silage, so we're using uh, a red clover silage that is much higher in protein, uh, just to get closer to the lambing. And we'll also, especially for the sheep that are going inside, we'll introduce a protein roll nearer to the time they're going inside. So probably 10 to 14 days before they go inside, they'll be getting a protein roll as well. And, and we'll just we'll just tweak back the fodder beat then as we're starting to reduce the roll, uh, but we'll try and maintain the forage, the, the silage, the same that they're getting outside, um, inside, just so they've as little a disruption as possible but again it it's just an awful lot easier if you can lamb things outside and straight from fodder beet to grass with a bit of fodder beet sprinkled on top, on top that's what's worked best for us in the past and it's it's what's the, the least disruption to diet and to rumen. So the supplementary feeding it should be fresh it should be palatable it should be digestible all you should get their share so you're floor feeding when they're inside is that working okay for you? Yeah, uh, floor feeding works fairly well as long as we've got enough space to get in with the forklift at the start of lambing. It's a little bit tight and when Beast of the East arrived it was very tight. But uh, that's the idea certainly is to, to bring ewes in and have them in a, in a big enough shed that we can get in with the forklift and sprinkle the fodder beet in amongst the straw. And they, they, they quite enjoy that. It gives them something to do and um, you know keeps them active. It works well. So putting the concentrate into the bedding, they're, they're raking about for it, so it reduces the, the rate of intake, stops any changes in rumen pH. The pellet must be over 6mm in size so that they can forage for it free enough. Poppy, what, what other methods are there to reduce the, the changes in pH when feeding? So another popular method is using a total mix ration. So this is where the silage and supplementary ingredients are mixed using a mixer wagon, and it's a great way to ensure that each bite the animal takes has the required of protein, energy and other nutrients. 
When done well, it stops the animals selecting for the higher energy ingredients. Sheep in particular will select. And so in the same way as floor feeding, it reduces the rate of intake. So therefore reducing, again, their effects on the rumen pH. Uh, in addition, the silage or the forage stimulates saliva production, which works to keep the rumen pH constant, so thereby offsetting the high starch effect with each mouthful. The other benefit of a TMR feeding is that it's often ad-lib, so therefore there's less bullying at the trough and less opportunity for the greedy ewes to eat too much and the shy ewes too little, because both greedy and shy ewes are susceptible to twin lamb disease if not given enough trough space. So what, what yeah. are the requirements at the trough for feeding yows? So for ad-lib forage and TMR feeding, so if they're given it uh, constantly, they should have 15 centimetres allowance per ewe. Um, and then for trough feeding, it should be 45 to 50 centimetres. And this is very important, again, to make sure that they're getting the allocated amount. So moving on a bit, condition scoring of animals is an essential tool for flock managers um, all through the year, but it really lets people see if the nutrition that they're offering is actually working. Um, when stock are grazing on fodder beet, they should be monitored throughout the period, and any animals that are losing condition should be removed from the crop immediately. Poppy, what should they be offered once they're removed from the crop? This would depend on how lean the ewes are permitted to get to and the stage of pregnancy, so how close the lambing they're at, and the availability of feeds on the farm. So ideally, the issue would have been identified early on, uh, before the ewes lose too much condition, because it's really difficult to correct condition in late pregnancy um, without risking uh, lamb losses due to very big lambs. So it's much better to correct it in earlier on. And like I said, up until eight weeks pre-lambing, those on target conditions can be put on an average hay or silage alone without any additional supplementary feed. Lean ewes should be given additional energy, for example, from sugar beet pulp, oats or barley. These are good energy sources as you're thinking about the starch content of these ingredients and they're a good supply of safe energy. So John, how do you manage um, the strategy from condition score when they're on the beet? Just to clarify, the last thing I'd do was remove sheep from fodder beet immediately because then you could run into all sorts of other issues. So I think regular um, condition scoring is a must. We're certainly going to be far more on top of that this year. We've got an auto-drafter now in the farm. We can do that easily and quickly. And I think it's about identifying those ewes that are starting to slip a little bit. Ideally, you identify those those ones you think are going to slip because... Um, and you tend to know your stock. You can do that, um, but running a, a mob of running the numbers of ewes we've got, we've got there's always room to have a, a, a special group if you like that we can put ewes in there that just need a little, little bit extra attention. You know, it's all very well having a big mob of ewes being shifted onto fodder beat every day, but if it's too big a mob, there will be some that don't maybe get enough enough grub, uh, and you've got to be very careful with a big mob that you've got enough of a feeding face, um, so there's plenty so they can all feed at once. Um, so regularly uh, condition scoring use and just sifting those out that are starting to struggle a little bit either putting them in with the triplets who are getting preferential treatment anyway or in with a, a thin mob that just get um, TLC So while grazing um, brassica and beet crops you need about 30% of the diet to be fibrous forage so like your straw, your hay, your silage something like that some you know, the, some of the crops like your fodder beet can be deficient in some minerals and um, trace elements which means that they need to be supplemented what are you using to supplement these with John? So we normally have uh, free access minerals available um, to the use at all times they'll have been bolused 
pre-tapping so that bolus will certainly deal with some of the deficiencies we have in this area throughout that pregnancy. And other than that, really um, looking at these buckets that are, that are coming out shortly that are target, will, will target the deficiencies that Fodderbeet has. So we're looking forward to getting them into practice and see if that helps. We've used other sorts of buckets in the past as well, but really just making sure that the, there's adequate feeding space for high quality silage and making sure that that silage, if there's any bales that are not 100% or any patches of mould, you know, we'll feed them to a different class of stock and make sure they don't get them. But making sure there are enough mineral tubs out when you've got a big, um, or mineral buckets with the powdered minerals out, when you've got a big mob of ewes, you've got to make sure not just that there's enough feeding space at the, the face of the fodder beat, but also there's plenty of feeding space around the ring feeders and the trailer feeders uh, and the mineral buckets. So fodder beet offers numerous benefits by means of its nutritional properties, but also as a break crop and a means to filling the forage gap post-scanning, freeing up grass fields, allowing them to recover and aiding early growth for lambing. However, it must be managed appropriately, ensuring a smooth transition period on and off the crop, as John's discussed, as well as supplementing depending on the class of stock that are being fed. It should be rationed behind a long narrow fence. Again, John's discussed how he, he approaches this and that just helps the high utilisation to limit the animals eating all of the leaves and then returning back for the bulbs. The high sugar content of the beet can feed the clostridial bacteria which causes clostridial diseases so stock must be vaccinated before grazing the beet. So Poppy, John's just given us some really good places to look for further information. Do you know of any other sources? So a lot of the topic we've covered today is covered in greater detail in the Farm Advisory Service technical notes. So we've got one on condition scoring, fodder beat and general nutrition. So please look at the Farm Advisory Service website for more information. Hopefully this podcast has given you some knowledge of how to manage yows before scanning and lambing and how fodder beat can aid in this period. We wish you all a successful lambing time when it comes. The Scottish Farming Advisory Service provides a telephone advice line which you can call for free advice. The number is 0300 323 Visit the FAS website at www.fas.scot to find out about free events near you.